This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I had to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll, I'll never go back. Uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. Yeah. I'm too old. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Dambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliger machine does have a flat right front tire. Uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Tom. And this is Tracy Henley. This is your 2020 Great Lakes Traditional Sprint Champion, Michael Adja. This is Tyler Roark. This is David Melke. This is Travis Stemler. Bobby Santos. Tom Beery. Bill Muskrat, Travis Brady. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday night. The, what, second or third one of those that have rolled around in October. Glad to have you with us. We've got a full show tonight, Winchester recap, and so much more. We'll get into all that coming up, but right now it's time to take a look at what's going on in a Motor City Minute. Ty Majeski took home the trophy and the ultimate challenge bonus of $6,300 during the ARCA Midwest Tour Oktoberfest 200. Why the bonus? Well, when you go to the tail and drive your way all the way back through the field, well, that's what you get. Majeski had passed half the field by lap 14, and then he completed the rest of the field and went on to take the victory. It was a Brandon Shepard type of weekend for dirt late model racing. It began on Saturday when Shepard won Saturday's $15,000 Fall Frenzy with the World of Outlaws Morton Building Series, uh, Late Model Dirt Series at Fairbury Speedway. Then he took the short trip to LaSalle Speedway on Sunday and took home $10,000 for his efforts. He managed to get by Chris, Simps Chris Simpson to win the Mars Racing Series Rip It 50 at LaSalle. That earned him $10,000 for his efforts. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me uh, via the social distance line. And uh, Rich, we got to get ourselves a studio, buddy. We sure do. And, and Zach, I have to tell you, I have. If I've been complaining all year about not getting to pavement racing, <laughs> I had my fill this weekend. Boy, did I have some fun! Yeah, it was really good. And we're going to talk about all that coming up. But uh, first, let's talk about some things that are going on, Rich, uh, that that folks may have caught or missed in the ARCA side of things this weekend. Yep, Zach, and even for a driver who had won four of five ARCA Menard Series East races in 2020, Sam Mayer entered Sunday's season finale at Five Flag Speedway in Pensacola. With an unusual amount of confidence, it turns out the 17-year-old's conviction was warranted. Mayer, who clinched his second consecutive East Championship when he rolled his number 20 machine off the starting grid to start the Pensacola 200, closed the season in style with his fifth win of the season. Sunday's result was very much in doubt late, though, when a caution just before the white flag flew set up an overtime finish with Mayer leading. The Franklin, Wisconsin driver fought off a charge from Arkham Menard Series East Rookie of the Year, Ty Gibbs, on the last lap to seal the hard-fought victory. And, Zach, uh, get this. Mayer's win, uh, Mayer's win to close the season gave him an average finish of 1.2 for the entire Arkham Menard's East season. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. The only race he did not win, he finished second to Ty Gibbs at Toledo. And uh, Corey Heim would beat Gibbs to the line in that final lap shootout and pick up the runner-up finish with Taylor Gray and Grant Enfinger, who got out of the trucks and uh, jumped in a, a Menards car just for this event only, completing the top five. And, Zach, a little closer to home, we had a couple tracks ho hosting some specials. And uh, you were able to catch up on a little of that action. Yeah, you know, it was a big weekend. Uh, obviously, Friday and Sunday were down in Winchester, Indiana. But uh, I-96 Speedway, they wrapped up their 2020 season Friday and Saturday night with the Roll the Dice Invitational. 
The weekend of racing featured Great Lakes traditional sprints and late models. Friday night, Ionia, Michigan's Travis Stemmler fought through a worsening car to hold off Clark Lake veteran Brian Ruhlman to collect the $1,200 to win prize. For the GLTS, Matt Westfall came from his inside row two starting spot to find victory lane for the second time in as many starts at I-96. Westfall looked as though he'd settle for a third-place finish as Dustin Daggett and Steve Irwin walked away from the field, but a late-race restart spelled disaster for Daggett, who blew it off the cushion in turn two. Irwin checked up, and Westfall drove by both competitors to capture the win. Then on Saturday, the same lineup returned to I-96 Speedway, Great Lakes traditional sprints, and late models. The GLTS kicked the night off with 30 laps and a special $2,500 on the line. Keith Shefford Jr. drew the number one pill but elected to take the True North Collective Zero to Hero Challenge, starting at the tail and collecting $50 per position advanced throughout the event. Now, Rich, get this. No one took the challenge Friday night, the night before, so if Shefford won, an extra $2,000 in his pocket. Sheffer was making moves through the field but came up short in his quest for 2K. Instead, it was Luke Hall versus 2020 Gas City I-69 Speedway champion Max Adams. Hall appeared to be the car to beat, holding down the lead through many restarts and one red flag. With less than 10 laps to go, Adams' car came to life as he began tracking down the Southern Ohio driver. At one point, Adams was within four-tenths of a second from the lead but couldn't find enough to pass Hall. The closest he came was getting right beside him directly after they crossed the finish line for the final time where Hall picked up the win. And I had a chance to catch up with both of these drivers following the race. What a show here at I-96 Speedway tonight for the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints. Luke Hall, feature winner. And we talked in victory lane. You didn't even know how close that race was. Um, you had some company coming, but you were on a rail tonight as well. Talk, talk about how your race went. Uh, well, early on, you know, we, we got the lead early, and uh, I just started running the top pretty hard, you know, and then we ended up getting that red and uh, talked to the crew, and they were like, you know, just hit your marks, you're doing good, and, it, you know, you're, you're pulling second a little bit. So I did kind of get into a, you know, maybe a little bit driving a little too easy, you know, maybe to let that, you know, let uh, Max and uh, whoever, maybe Steve and them get up to me, but uh, if I'd have hurt a little bit more, I think I, you know, we had some left in us, okay. but it's just hard to push it too hard up right. there because it's hard to make mistakes anyhow. You know, what I mean, it's yeah. easy to make mistakes anyhow. So uh, we just tried to get up there and hit our marks and and you know get on cruise control up there. I like the cushion. Um, Jack Hewitt actually helped me get going when I started my racing deal. Bob Steen, Jack, and and he really pounded the cushion in me, you know, to, to learn it and how to run it and stuff, and, and I'm still grateful for that to this day. It looked like, through lap traffic, and again, maybe this is some conservative stuff that was going on behind the wheel, but uh, Adams was really able to close in on you through lap traffic. Looked like he was getting off turn four quite a bit better than you, but you did enough to get the win. Yeah, lap traffic's tough here because you're going so fast. I mean, the top speeds here are, are amazing, you know, for I mean, it's a big, it's a bigger track, but but the speeds are amazing, and you catch them lap cars pretty quick, you know. And if you if you ain't sure where they're gonna go, it takes me a little bit kind of to plan that out, and uh, probably could speed that process up a little bit would help me there. But but yeah, probably more of that, just trying to see where they're gonna kind of go and and pick a line through them and and go that route. Well, Luke, hey, congratulations, nice run. This will wrap it up for GLTS. What's left on your schedule? We know you're from down south in Ohio. Uh, anything left down there for you? Yeah, we got two more boss shows down in Tennessee we're going to run with uh, Nelson's car. And then uh, I've been piecing together a, a 360 of my own and uh, with sour mugs and a couple other people that's helping on that deal, TNW Collision. And uh, so we might try to sneak down a little further south and do some of that USCS racing with them guys. All right, Luke, thanks so much. Congratulations tonight. Thank you. I appreciate it. Obviously not going to find that much excitement in uh, Adam's voice, but nonetheless, he was happy with the way things worked out. Well, we talked about how big of a show this was and it being a big show was probably because of the run that max adams had in second spot uh 2020 gas city i-69 speedway track champion and man if you ever wanted a half a lap more of a race tonight was the night uh you came up just short talk about your run 30 laps here and what you needed to do different maybe to go to victory lane yeah we uh we were really good in the feature just a hair off uh it's tough to pass on this track when it gets when it gets that fast up around the top, you know, it kind of 
kind of gets a little one lane because all the momentum you carry up around the top like that. But uh, we got really good there at the end. It looked like Luke started fading some and uh, I started gaining. I just I just need to make consistent laps there at the end to get, get to them quicker. Uh, you know, I looked at my lap times and some were really good and some were really bad and they were alternating. So it just didn't, didn't work out to catch them soon enough. Uh, I tried the bottom probably about three quarters of the way through the race and I knew there was something there in uh, that last lap. If there was any way I was gonna pass them, it was gonna be down there. And uh, we made a run for it and just came up a few feet short, it seemed like. But uh, no, uh, first first time here, first time ever being in Michigan, really. And uh, yeah, not a bad night for us. You know, talk about the fact that you were closing in on him. And then, you know, as you said, those lap times were a little inconsistent. We talked hindsight's 2020, right? You, you look back at that and you go, I wish that I could have went and done something different. How do you, I guess I'll use the phrase, cope with that? How do you not get hung up on that? Do you just take this, learn from it, and try to apply it in your next race? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, I, I've i ran second so many times this season and uh, at the tracks I've ran second a few times that I've won at. So it's, uh, it just seems like racetracks don't want to give me that first win at the first <laughs> night. But uh can't get hung up on it too much you know it's it's good for the notebook you know if we ever come back when USAC comes up here or if they do you know uh that's a good thing so it's uh you know I I had no idea what to expect I saw some video from the boss race and kind of got an idea from that and uh yeah so I mean it's it's not a bad night to come up here and run second first night's not bad at all of course I want the win and we're right. a few feet short of it but uh no not not a bad night and uh we'll uh we'll keep it in the notebook well congratulations nice run and hopefully we see you up here again soon all right thank you I appreciate it and, Rich, the late model show was a good one, too. It was, again, Brian Rollman versus Travis Stemmler. This time, though, Rollman got the better of Stemmler and went on to victory lane. Um, our One of our new Horsepower Happenings correspondents, Brian Osborne, was able to catch up with Rollman after the race. Sitting here in the pits of Brian Rollman. Uh, Brian, you pick up the feature win in the Roll the Dice Invitational here, a UMP Dirt Car late model portion of it here at I-96 Speedway. But thing with you is you chose not to go racing once, twice but three times and you walk away pretty good a top 10 in the great lakes traditional sprints top five in the ump modifieds and a feature win that's not too bad no it was a good night uh you know luckily everybody didn't get a scratch on anything uh track was beautiful um so yeah we had a good night uh not too not too wore out i could use probably a burger and a beer right now so yeah no doubt yeah, you had a pretty much, it was a battle really came down to you and uh, Travis Stemmler, and Stemmler's had a great season up here, but, uh, you know, he gets the win on Friday, but you managed to uh, get out in front of him here on uh, the Saturday night portion, and uh, you were able to just pull away and set sail, really. Yeah, I knew if it got slick, I think we had an advantage, but when there's traction there, he's pretty hard to beat here. Uh, good kid, I love racing him. Um, so, uh, yeah, for us to kind of dominate that last part, it was a good finish for the weekend. And now I guess uh, what what I'm curious about is uh, just what uh, how did the idea of racing three divisions pop into your head? Well, they had them here. <laughs> yeah, that helps. Yeah. So we got all the toys in the garage, so we figured might as well bring them all out and play with them. No doubt. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, this has got to be good. I mean, anything else left on your schedule for 2020? Yeah, we're going to go to Lernerville next week. Um, going to run the Rush Sprint, the Modified, and we haven't talked about whether we're going to take a late model too or not. We'll see how we uh, recover tomorrow. Um, and then we're going to go to, I believe, Kokomo the following weekend. They have modified Saturday or Friday and the uh, sprint car Saturday. And then I think Montpelier the weekend after that for the modified. Okay, still quite a bit then. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll close this out and give you a chance to thank uh, those that help uh, make this all possible for you. Yeah, Veronica, usually it's just her and I. Uh, Cody Hollenbeck uh, volunteered to help. and brought one of his pit guys with him so uh, uh it was really helpful to have him and uh could have done couldn't have done it without him but uh you know veronica and i really we work our butts off but uh you know it comes down to preparation to make sure your stuff ready when you start and uh so you don't get behind all right well good luck to you the rest of the way congrats on the win thank you and that wasn't all that was going on over the weekend up here in michigan if your name is jeff gannis you're 
probably sitting pretty wealthy on a Monday, uh, and you had a really nice weekend at Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway during their annual Michigan Cup. The former track champion and driver out of Constantine, Michigan, made a clean sweep of the weekend in two divisions. Gannis not only took home fast time in both the Outlaw Super Late Model and Modified divisions, but he held off both fields for a pair of decent paydays. In Outlaw Super Late Models, Gannis bested Mark Shook, Matt Frazier, Adam Terry, and John Gearhart. In Modifieds, it was Tom Rutherford and Nick Lakota who chased the number five machine. Um, and uh, so Gannis went to victory lane twice throughout Michigan Cup. And by the way, Rich, uh, I didn't see I didn't see a final number, but I know that they were pushing that 200 cars mark. I believe they had almost 90 cars in one division alone. Uh, so it was a great weekend for the folks at Springport with Michigan Cup. Yeah, exactly. That, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm just disappointed. We, you know, we couldn't get over there and take in some of the action. But Zach, we were a little busy uh, this weekend. Down at Winchester, Indiana, they had a little race going on down there, mm-hmm. and um, I was down there since Thursday. And 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 you brought a new correspondent down, uh, Brian Osborne, a couple nights to to get his feet wet down there. How do you like it? Yeah, you know Brian's pavement experience was Berlin Raceway, which is which is great pavement experience, but he'd never been to the Winchester 400. Um, and uh, you know what? He he was he was impressed. He told me, "quote." I would go again. So uh, that's pretty good for a dirt boy. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was talking to him on Sunday and, and I, you know, we, I just started introducing him to guys that we, you know, with guests we've had on the program before. And um, he was just taking it all in because it, the, the pre-race was an event in itself uh, on Sunday. But Zach, we kicked things off on Friday for the 49th running of the Winchester 400 weekend presented by Jags. And it was the Jag CRA All-Stars Tour up for their Winchester 100, which was also their season championship event. Stephen Nassi looked dominant throughout the race, but uh, in the late stages, that all changed. Cody Coughlin, who was patient throughout the 100-lap event, began to close late on Nassi with nine laps to go. Coughlin blasted by Nassi and drove away to pick up the big win and secure the 2020 Jag CRA All-Stars Tour season championship. After the race, Nassi dis- disclosed an electrical issue was the culprit for his demise late, and we discussed his disappointment. With your second-place finisher, Stephen Nassi, and man, you looked really good out front and then came lap 90. Yeah, you know, it all really probably started about lap 75, 80. Uh, the gauges just went went black on me, and, you know, um, I knew, knew then that was a bad sign that I had a battery issue, alternator, something along those lines going bad. and. Uh, you know, there's not much you could do except for hold on and just wait for it to happen. About lap, I would say uh, 85, it uh, it cut out in one and two, and I, I thought it was going to completely die, and then it kind of stuttered and picked back up and started going again. And you know, all I could do from lap 80 on was just have my. I think you know, it might have been lap 70. It was pretty early, but all I could do is turn my fans off and turn everything off and and hope for the best, save as much power as I could. Uh, I just I couldn't do nothing with that one car there. You know, I know I was down a little bit on power there at the end, no doubt with a battery issue, but uh, he had a fast hot rod and he obviously obviously saved a little tonight. And uh, you know, it's just good for them. You know, I like that group of guys and happy to see him win. It's just you know, it's hard to swallow uh, coming up that close and having that big of a lead and and just uh, and really really losing it so. you know you had a car that was able to actually work about a groove lower than everybody else is that something you think you'll be able to apply to sunday this car looked like it was hooked up oh man hopefully too many people didn't see it but yeah that's <laughs> definitely my plan you know um i've been pretty uh, adamant about not making too many practice laps and and trying to uh to keep my secrets to myself but you know it's going to speak for itself and you know smart racers are going to watch it and they'll pick up on it uh you know travis you've seen him there running that same line and uh, you know, I believe you'll see a few guys try and do it Sunday. Just hopefully I can do it a little bit better. I'll tell you what I did see on lap 90 is not, it, you usually don't see out a lot of race car drivers. You kind of pulled down out of the way when Cody caught you. Uh, you kind of knew at that point, I'm not going to race him. He's much faster than we are. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, he's racing for a championship, uh, and I know how bad he wants to win. I'm not I'm not here to wreck race cars or anything like that. If I thought it could be close and I might be able to hold him off, I'd run him hard. But uh, I just didn't see any way that I was going to be able to hold him off. He was running three-tenths faster than me a lap, and, uh, you know, I'd be dumb to think so. So I just I hope that maybe uh, the tables are turned. I'll get the same respect out of him. But, uh, you know, that's, that's, I thought it was the right thing to do. And uh, like I said, again, uh, John Coughlin, he's always been great to me. Uh, everybody there at Jags and, and Cody, you know, we've always been kind of close. So, uh, you know, it's good to see them guys win, you know, get their one of their championships. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can just hurt their feelings a little bit on Sunday. Well, 
Nice second place run. You got one more shot tomorrow in the 400. Yes, sir. Thank you. And it was a home game of sorts for Indianapolis native Billy Van Meter, who scored a solid uh, third place finish. And we caught up with Billy to debrief his effort. Billy Van Meter, what a race for you here at the Winchester 100. You lead a whole bunch of laps. You're in contention right down to about the last, what, uh, 30 or so laps to win. Uh, what a race for you. Take us through 100 laps here at Winchester. Well, I set out the least many laps I could, keep the best in the world behind me, and I gave him one hell of a fight. And at the end of the day, this car came out of retirement and ran with the best in the world. And we brought it home third without very many scratches. And that's an accomplishment for chaos. I got to ask you, uh, you know, Cody Coffin was kind of laying in the weeds for a little while. Uh, he got to you, and when he got by you, you kind of let him know that maybe you didn't appreciate something. Can you, what, we didn't see anything. What happened uh, on that pass? Well, realistically, I didn't even want to get into it, but he threw a pretty big slider into out of four, and I got out of the gas and still got into him. And I just pulled away to the left and stayed in the gas so I didn't hurt him or me. So it all worked out, but he almost got himself wrecked. Yeah. So tell me, tell me uh, nice third place finish. Tell me who all makes this possible for you. Uh, Butch Van Dorn, Van Dorn Development in general. Uh, my dad does a lot of work for me and all his guys. And I just try to help him as I can. I'm not the best crew chief in the world. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, you had a heck of a run. Congratulations, Billy. Thank you. Title contenders, Josh, uh, Travis Braden, Josh Brock, and Charlie Keevan all were involved in early crashes to end their championship hopes. Uh, I feel bad for our fellow championship competitors that had some hard luck, commented Coughlin after the race. I thought we had a solid chance at it, even if they hadn't fallen out. But I think we earned it, and I'm proud of everybody. So congratulations, Zach, to Cody Coughlin and his Jags Motorsports team on their 2020 championship. And Zach, Rookie of the Year honors were also at stake, and it was the youngster from Lapeer, Michigan, Chase Berta, who locked down the 2020 Rookie of the Year award for the Jags CRA All-Stars Tour. And Zach and I caught up with Chase after the race. Well, we had the opportunity to catch up with you a couple of weeks ago at Lucas Oil, and I said, what are you running for, Rookie of the Year or Championship? And Bristol changed all of that. Um, congratulations, your 2020 Jeg CRA All-Stars Tour Rookie of the Year. Well, what does that mean to you? I mean, I know you were really looking for a championship, but this has got to be awesome for you, too. Overall, that was our goal. We never expected us to be even, like, a chance at the chase. But um, overall, that was our goal, and we were able to do it. And uh, we were just happy and uh just happy to be Rookie of the Year, and um, it was bombing that what happened in Bristol, but what can you do? It's part of racing. I was watching in that race, and this was no fluke. You were solidly in the top five all night long till late when Kyle Jones got by you, but uh, you got to be so proud of your performance here at Winchester. This is not an easy place to get around. Oh, yeah, definitely. We tested here uh, Wednesday. I was like, oh, like this is a whole new track, never been like something like this, but... Uh, we were able to just run like top 10 the whole race and stay clean and uh, stay out of trouble and uh, just consistently run good lap times and uh, we're having a good finish. Well, Chase, congratulations on a great run here at Winchester, as Rich said. What's next for you now? Do you have anything non-points that you plan on doing or is this going to wrap it up? Uh, for this season, I think we're uh, done for. We're going to try to run the crate car for the 400 on Sunday. And then next year, we're going to run a crate again just because how the season went. We need more experience. But we're also hoping we'll have another car uh, for a super and run a pick-and-choose races. All right. Well, Chase, congratulations. Nice job, man. Thank you. And then, Zach, on Saturday, it was the Run for the Gun 50 for the Midwest Modified Tour, an event that was actually their first and only event of 2020 due to the pandemic and uh boy you didn't miss a whole lot unless you're a kyle purvis fan uh, it was kyle purvis uh leaving no doubt working his way out front by the halfway point and then driving away in the final laps to pick up the victory uh and i was able to catch up with a very pleased kyle purvis catching up with your winner tonight uh kyle purvis man you had a strong car all weekend and then you closed the deal this afternoon yeah, we had a good good car all weekend, and uh, hats go off to my mom and dad, my wife, Alyssa, DG Performance, that helped me. Uh, he's my teammate. We race together. Um, just hats off to all those guys. I want to also thank my sponsors, uh, McNeely Performance, DG Performance, Molehole Hydro Digging, UIS Insurance, Auto Owners Insurance, and Farm Transport. Let's talk about the race a little bit. First 20 laps, you kind of just sat there in the top five, picked some off here and there. 
And then lap 22, you picked up the race lead on the bottom. Nice bottom move. Didn't look like it was real difficult. You kind of stretched it out, and then you backed it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this place here is really hard on right rear tires, especially in a modified. Um, they just they, they get abused really, really hard on the right rear. So when uh, when you're able to pace yourself and back up, try to keep yourself uh, from burning your stuff up that way towards a long end, long long race run, if there is a caution, you got something left. You get the 10 to go and you light the tires up on this thing and start driving away. Uh, was that the game plan? Yeah, yeah, we had a lot left in the car, and, and man, it was just a rocket ship. What do you think, uh, you know, if this is the only race that, that Brian and Bud were able to run this year because of what we got going on. Uh, you guys had 30, 31 cars here this weekend. Looks like they got a real good thing going. Yeah, they do. Um, I think Bud and Brian both have done an awesome job. Um, we needed a good car count here at Winchester. There's a lot of people that are scared of this place um, just because it is fast, but they've done a great job. Um, you know, I can't remember the last time we had a last chance race, I think it was in 2014. And awesome car count for today, and I think that's going to carry on. You'll see that next year. Well, congratulations. Fantastic weekend, and congratulations on the win. Thank you. Thank you very much. And pole qualifying was also up uh, for the Winchester 400 for the day, Zach. Uh, and it was kind of a surprise a little bit. Uh, Caden Lapsovich laid down a blistering lap, and he would lead, lead the field to green on Sunday. You know, we're in the middle of talking about all this exciting stuff for the uh, Winchester 400, Rich, but I want to take a second and invite everybody down to Nashville Fairground Speedway next weekend. That's October 30th through November 1st for the All-American 400. Um, Rich, this will be my first time at the All-American 400. It's going to be a great show. Arca CRA Super Series along with the Cars Tour Southern Super Series, kind of uh, another trifecta there. And uh, the uh, Jag CRA All-Stars Tour will be there with their sanction as well for the Pro Late Models. And it's going to be a championship event for Nashville's Pro Late Model Division, which, by the way, are separated by this many points. Zero. Zero points are separating those uh, Dylan Fetcho and um, Cole Williams right now in the Pro Late Model Division. So, And then, of course, it's the All-American 400 at Nashville Fairground Speedway. So what a great event. Um, hope that folks can join us for that. But back to the Winchester 400. Uh, by the way, tickets available online at NashvilleFairgroundSpeedway.Racing. Uh, back to the Winchester 400. How about the young man from Portage, Michigan, Rich? We've been watching him all season, and he did not disappoint. Um, and, and we've seen him just be a force to be reckoned with all year and it continued at Winchester on Sunday. Carson Hosevar, he went on to win the 49th running of the Winchester 400, powered, uh, presented by Jags. Hosevar spent most of the afternoon leading the way in his number 71 Van Dorn Racing Development Machine. He would ultimately win by more than five seconds over uh, uh, over uh, Michigan's Kyle Crump to complete the Michigan 1-2 sweep. Now, Rich, you had a chance to catch up with Carson in victory lane to get his thoughts on how the Winchester 400 went. What else is new? Another 400-lap event, three big ones in for you. Carson, uh, talk about your day. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, qualifying. Fourth helped and just getting out front. Uh, I think we had the lead about lap seven and just able to control the pace. Nasty got in front of us there and it was better. And uh, I think that was the testimony of winning it. Uh, we saw what his car was doing and had to take some sort of a big swing and hit on it right perfect. So I uh, was just able to drive away and make my life easy. I was going to say about halfway through, Nasty did step out to a pretty big lead. Were you concerned at all at that point, or, or were you just trying to take care of your car for the end? No, I mean, I was absolutely concerned. We threw a handful <laughs> of stuff at it, and uh, you know, I think that was just the, the ticket to win it. Now, what do you got coming up next? I mean, you, you get the, you got a Red Bud 400. You get your Winchester 400 under the belt. Money in the Bank 150. Uh, Glass City 200. You are on a roll. Uh, All-American 400 in a couple weeks. Yeah, All-American 400, I uh, got the Derby, and then two more truck starts in Niche Motorsports, so just try to uh, end the year on a high. Carson, awesome job. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, a key point in the race was at lap 280 when Stephen Nassi had stretched out a huge lead in his Jet Motorsports number 51, throwing his hat in the ring to pick up his second consecutive Winchester 400, but that all went away very quickly when he ran out of fuel. Nassie went down a lap because of the caution and was able to earn his lap back and worked his way up into the top three. But on the final pit stop, Nassie's two left side tires really hurt the handling on his machine 
and he had to settle for a third-place podium finish. It was a bitter heartbreak for Nassie, but he had to chalk it up as a day that just wasn't meant to be, and Rich, you had a chance to catch up with Steven as well following the race. Man, you look look great all day long. Uh, little hiccup with the throttle cable. You got that taken care of. Uh, step out to a big lead. Car's looking great. You got to be feeling good. And then uh, run a little low on fuel. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just one of them deals. I don't know if it's uh, the pickup maybe moved or if we were running a little low. It's just, it's tough. And you know, I was definitely pretty mad about it in the uh, in the time, you know, and the real time of it happening. And uh, still pretty upset. But, you know, my guys work really hard, and I can't take that away from You know, they didn't want this to happen. They wanted me to get up there and win just as bad as I did. It's just, uh, you know, it's a tough one to swallow. But we had a fast car, and I think a lot of people knew who had the fastest car here today. It just didn't work out for us. You come down pit road, get your fuel, you go a lap down, you fight back and get it back, you come down pit road and get lefts. Uh, and then you were all right on the restart, and then the car just started going away. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know I don't know what happened there. The last set of tires just wasn't wasn't a good set, I guess. Um, you know, we've been fighting a tire problem kind of all weekend. That what's really hurt me on the qualifying day yesterday during practice, just having smaller tires than usual. And, uh, you know, they said that they think a couple spring rubbers might have popped out. Uh, and it's just one of them bad luck deals. You know, we had a series of unfortunate events all, all day, you know, like I said, from the throttle to the, the fuel and then, going a lap down and you know at the beginning of the day they started the race with the back straightaway i mean covered in leaves and the motor was you know pegged out on water temp almost had to come down pit road and it's just it was a kind of shenanigans race but uh you know that's that's what happens sometimes you can't be on the the good end of it all and you know we'll go to the next ones and try to do better we can put this to bed we'll see in nashville in a couple weeks yes sir thank you brandon oakley last week's guest on the program mason keller they rounded out the top five uh, of course, Mason, by the way, one of those drivers competing in 550 laps are scheduled to. He did so. He finished all three races and, uh, as a matter of fact, finished all three in the top ten, um, finishing, uh, what was it, third, fourth, and I believe... Ninth, I think. Ninth, I, ninth. Think, it, okay. I think he got ninth in the modified, Zach. Yeah, so there you go. Now, the Arca Ciari Super Series was at stake on Sunday following the heartbreak of coming up short on Friday. Josh Brock closed the deal and locked down the 2020 championship for the second time in his career, and I had a chance to talk with him on the front stretch. Festivities still going on. You haven't even had your official interview yet here at Winchester Speedway, but you know, based on the sticky stuff I'm standing in, you're the 2020 ARCA CRA Super Series champion. How does that feel? You're, well, you're the first one to say it to me, so... Uh... We worked hard all year, but by far not the performance we wanted today. You know, we were staying lead lap. Then, then once those other guys get lead, you got to start racing so much different, and we had to do different tire strategy just to, to stay up there front. And, it, you know, if we wouldn't come down to points, you know, I think we could have been farther up. But, man, there's sometimes, like, when they're racing hard and they're coming, you just got to get out of the way. But I can't thank my crew enough. Uh, Travis Alder's by far the, the best crew chief I could ever ask for. Uh, him and Chris Wimmer worked so hard together, Wimmer Motorsports, and – and uh, for all our, our setup needs, but my whole crew, my family, uh, just got to thank everybody. It, it's, it's a team effort. You know, we're not the, we're not the most highly funded team here, but, uh, but I'm glad to be the 2020 champion. Today didn't go easy for you either. You were one of the first cars on pit road. You got kind of stopped up here in turn four in that mangle that happened up there. Luckily, not a whole lot of damage on your car. Um, you know, as you already mentioned, what an testament to your team to just keep digging because you guys, you know, you went down a lap, and, I mean, it was a long day for you guys. Yeah, it was a long day, and I'm feeling it in my legs. My, my knees are hurting pretty bad right now. But, but I know, like, you know, with the leaves on the track, that was so uncalled for with the track. They, they should have done something. Made a lot of guys pit and put us in a bad straight, you know, right off the bat, bad bad positions. You know, what was the point of qualifying if we knew that? You know, they, they should have – they really made themselves look bad with the, just the leaves. They, they could have done something so simple as just letting us run a few laps and stop everybody. But, no, they made people hit pit road. But – that, that's another issue for another day, but uh, we're the champions. Well, congratulations, Josh. Uh, we'll let you celebrate. All right, thank you. Well, Rich, all of that uh, aside, let's not forget about a guy who had a really, really great run this weekend and really a super consistent 400 laps. Rich, let us know who we're talking to tonight. Yeah, Zach, this gentleman had uh, literally an outstanding performance in yesterday's Winchester 400, uh, bringing home uh, – Stan and Judy Rosen's 131 machine home second. And if it wasn't for the kid, uh, he'd had this one in a bag. Uh, just an awesome performance, like I said. Former winner at the Kalamazoo Clash. 
uh, from Brighton, Michigan. Kyle Crump, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thanks for having me back on here. I enjoy the show. Now, uh, Kyle, we've been we've been able to talk a ton at the track this season, and and I really want to thank you for all the availability you give us and, and your honesty. But now it's time for me to be honest. If there was any way to foresee that you would have had the opportunity to drive that car that you drove this weekend, you should have balled that old one up months ago. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I just. I can't thank Johnny and Butch enough uh, for knocking that thing out in a month and uh, for Stan and Judy Rosen. I wasn't sure what was going to happen after uh, that whole throttle hung at Berlin. I didn't know if they were going to be done for the season, done for good, because we'd blown two motors up now, trashed a car. But uh, they they went right back for it and, uh, you know, couldn't get a better result. We haven't had a chance to talk to you since Berlin. Um, t- t- tell me about that incident before we get too deep into into yesterday's events. What happened at Berlin? Because uh, for those who didn't see the picture, we'll, we'll find one for our social media. That car, Kyle, was literally destroyed. Um, what what happened there? Walk us through that. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, at Berlin, we opened up. We, uh, you, we run less restriction on a qualifying lap uh, versus a race run. So qualifying just opened up the restrictors. Everything was fine. Uh, first lap, uh, one up laps good. Uh, everything was good until the checkered flag. And it just so happened that apparently on the carburetor, the, uh, where the secondary is, the butterfly opened up just a tick too far and it mm. hung that wide open. So I had nothing in the car. Uh, I lifted my foot up cause the Joe's, uh, foot pedal has a little, uh, hook there on the yeah. top of your foot in case the throttle does hang. And, uh, that was, it was locked. There was no getting it out of place. It actually, I hit the wall, uh, went unconscious for just a tick second. And, uh, it was still hung wide open after we hit the wall and the whole, everything shifted. So I was trying to find the kill switch. Cause it was just, it was still hitting the chip. It was quite a crazy impact. Have you ever, have you ever had an accident like that before? No, never. That is by far the most helpless feeling I have ever had in my life. When you just, you let off the pedal and it just keeps going. What what and and the final question from from me on this subject was it hard for you to get back behind the wheel after that? Uh not really. Uh, I mean, I definitely had like a thought of it, and like I definitely uh, my next race was the Glass City Two Hundred in the Outlaw car. So when I went out there on the pace lap, I put it in neutral and just stuck it to the floor real quick, just to give my uh, some my brain some like ease of mind, and then just uh, got right after it. Just gotta put that out of your brain and get right back to it. Now let's now let's talk about yesterday. Uh, really, right off the green flag, uh, you had that one thirty-one machine um, looking really sharp. At what point did you think this could be a very big day for you? Yeah, I think we started six at Winchester, and uh, the top always rolls there really well. So I knew if I could uh, just latch on to Carson's rear bumper on the start, we could get out possibly to the front and just, you know, log some laps because it's such a long race. And uh, I want to say they, we had that first caution. Then we had a we had a nice green flag run after that first caution. I think we went like 50 laps green or so. And uh, I saw him. He's starting to build loose on corner exit, whereas I was a little snug at the start of a run, but I, I wasn't loose at corner exit on a long run. And, you know, I could kind of see myself catching him, or at least I was evening out with Carson. And uh, – Right then and there, I'm like, okay, we got a really good piece for today. I just need to keep the fenders on it and do everything right from my point of view, and uh, we'll have a shot at it at the end of the day. Now, in my opinion, there was a point in the race that really showed me what you had, uh, and it was about at the midpoint. You had a 20 or 30 lap battle, many of those laps side by side with Stephen Nassi, and uh, and I mean every single lap, he wasn't letting you loose and he couldn't get by you, talk about that battle and um, and just how important it was to keep him pinched down there on the bottom. Yeah, I had a battle with uh, Chandler Smith early as well, so that kind of helped me figure out the line as far as when someone's underneath you and how much you can squeeze them down, or even if you want to try to squeeze them down at a track like Winchester. But I had uh, Johnny Van Dorn in my ear saying, keep him low, You can. Uh, he'll wear out his tires on the bottom, so he was motivating me and I mean, it felt like forever. Uh, I mean, 30 laps at Winchester feels like a 100-lap feature at another racetrack. So, you know, he was he was on the inside for I don't even know how long it was. You said about 30 laps or so, but it felt like an eternity. 
Talk to me about that 131 car because you become another one of the drivers who goes from uh, what I'm going to call the old body style to what I'm going to call the new body style. And we had a chance to talk to Carson. He was one of the first drivers in our area to find immediate success with that. Um, how did that car drive, uh, you know, for you? Obviously, Winchester is a beast all of its own anyhow. But, um, you know, what what was your feeling on that? I thought that both you and Carson looked real good out front with that new body style. Yeah. Um, from my perspective, I mean, even inside the car, it doesn't look too much different. Uh, it's hard for me to kind of compare it to the old body style. Cause I, I really don't have too many laps at Winchester in a super other than practicing for the 400. But, uh, I know at Van Dorn's shop, we're trying a lot of new stuff and, uh, finally found some stuff, uh, with the front end and everything going to money in the bank and all that. So I really think that that's where the cars are coming alive at. But, uh, I'm a fan of the new bodies as far as how they look and everything, but from a performance aspect, I, I can't really say that uh, I've noticed too much, but uh, it'd be good to go to tracks that I've been to quite a bit, and then I can uh, do like an A to B comparison. I was just, I got to tell you this, Rich and uh, Kyle, I was glad to actually see Stephen Nassie get up there and drive with those two because of all the, the stink that was made about whether or not this new body was going to be an advantage. I thought, oh man, if Carson and Kyle just run away with this thing, we're never going to hear the end of it about this new body style. But uh, Kyle, what sort of things did you and Carson or you know maybe just the TK Racing and the Van Dorn development what sort of note sharing was going on? Because you guys did look very similar on track other than the gap that Carson kept on you, right? You know, you felt like you pulled even with him but just couldn't quite catch him. Um, what sort of things were you guys learning from one another this weekend? Yeah, so Carson tested, I believe it was like a week before uh, the 400. And so uh, Butch and all those guys were down there taking notes and all those uh, details and stuff that they learned during that test session went straight on to the 131 car. And then uh, at the track, you know, Johnny and Butch, they're always talking to each other. So uh, I would assume for the most part, I mean, we're running pretty close to the same thing. I don't know exactly, but uh, definitely can say we're, we're there to help each other out. So uh, everything that we were trying, we were relaying to Carson and Butch saying, hey, this is what it did to our car. And they were letting us know what they were doing. So uh I definitely think it helped a lot. I mean, we had some serious speed this weekend. So so with that being said, I'm kind of putting you in a box, Kyle, and I'm going to apologize for that as a racer, but as a, as a, as a broadcaster, I got to know, what do you feel the main difference was then between you and Carson? Because those opening 100, 200 laps or so where he kept that gap on you, and then that final run, he, he really did just walk away from the rest of the field. Uh, what do you feel was the difference between the 131 and the 71 yesterday? Yeah, I think Carson's car, he was able to roll the center a tick faster, and he had a little bit less wheel in it when he was doing that. So uh, on a longer run, uh, when the sun was out, he would get a little loose off just because he's carrying that center speed a little faster, whereas uh, the 131 car, my car, was kind of, my car was bound up. I had a little too much wheel in the center, so I couldn't fire off on restarts really well. And uh, But on a longer run, I had that, snugger car is a little tight so i was able to have a, a good bit of drive off uh so that was like what held us uh stagnant after about 25 laps because he would start building loose whereas mine would kind of come to me a little more and then uh that last segment i'm not sure what butch changed on that car or whatnot but uh we added some rebound in the right front of our car and it made it fire off really good for the first 25 30 laps but then mine got super tight and I'm not sure what Butch did to the 71, but right when I started getting tight, it looked like Carson took off. He grabbed another gear and was gone. Now, you know, we, we talk about you two out there running together, and and there were several points in that race where you guys were pretty far out on your own. There wasn't anybody within reach, and he wasn't gaining any ground on you, like we said, you know. In a, in a race like the Winchester 400, where it's a long race, what does that do for your confidence when he's not running away from you lap after lap and he's still right there? Yeah. So I definitely think he was, uh, saving a little bit. Cause I was, I was logging laps, but I mean, I wasn't, uh, taking it easy by any means. Like I was definitely still up on the wheel, but, uh, 
as soon as like my father relayed to me, if I went like half a tenth or a tenth quicker, I I noticed that he'd step it up a little bit. So I'm sure he had uh, a heck of a car the whole day, but uh, definitely gives me a ton of confidence when you can see the leader and he's not gapping you too much. Uh, it just lets you know that you're still your car is still good and you still got a shot at it, which is all you can really ask for in a race like this. Yeah, you got to get with that Van Dorn guys and say, man, you can't be killing me like this playing with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool because Carson and I are pretty good friends. So it was just, it was nice to be able to just get one, two, one, two for Johnny and Butch. They've been putting a lot of work in. And I mean, it's been shown. We've, uh, Johnny and Butch, they won both uh, the races out in Missouri, uh, Red Blood 400, Money in the Bank, uh, now Winchester. Uh, it's really cool to see their programs really picking up and building some strong cars. What What are you uh, – well, let's let's finish on the Winchester, and I'll come back to this. Uh, how are you feeling today on a Monday? Because I know that I had a chance to go down and talk to Josh Brock, and we heard him say earlier in the show that he was just absolutely physically exhausted. Carson had to stretch it out several times in victory lane, and he's 17 years old and fit as a fiddle, um, and you're not in bad shape yourself either. How are you doing on a Monday after 400 around Winchester? Uh, I'm pretty sore, not going to lie. Uh, I didn't expect to be too wore out from it, but uh, I just I, I, got, I was too tense the whole race, so like uh, I was getting a lot of cramps. I actually had a really bad cramp in my right leg and stuff. I was loosening up the belts on those competition cautions when I was in the pits, trying to just like stretch my legs out and stuff, so my muscles are still a little sore. Uh, I was doing some stretching this morning, just trying to like, I don't know, they're just really tight. But other than that, eh, it's not too bad. Because if I'm understanding correctly, yesterday was your first, uh, I think, 400 laps consecutive at all, right? Whether it be Anderson or Winchester or anything like that. Was that your first full 400? Yeah, that was my first full 400. I think I made it. One year, I think I made about 300 laps, but we lost power steering and all that, and it was just not worth staying out. Mm-hmm. What sort of things? Uh, what sort of things did, did you learn as far as your physical preparation that you think might help you, uh, whether it's All American 400 or if you go anywhere else this year or for next year's Winchester? Yeah, I, I just tell myself relax a little more. It's, it's so easy to tense up; like you don't even notice you're tensing up, but. A track like that, it's so easy just to, you know, uh, death grip the wheel or have your right leg stiff when it should be loose. And all that comes in later in the race when you need it all to be loose and still uh, working the way you want it to. Now, Kyle, there's there's a couple of races at the end of this year if you feel like, if you and, uh, you know, Stan and Judy feel like traveling just a little bit. Uh, are you done or, or now are you guys looking at, hey, maybe we might go down to Nashville? Yeah, no, Stan and Judy, uh, the Winchester 400 is always uh, the end of the year for those two, and it was pretty cool. They, I think this was their 10th year of trying. They've never finished all 400 laps, and this year we finally got it for them, so we're going to end it on a good note. Uh, cars back at Van Dorn's shop. They're going to uh, load up, and they head down to Arizona. They spend the winters down in Arizona, so it's time for them to relax and have a good time. How does that feel for you? Because i got to assume that those two are, are pretty happy about competing completing not only completing the 400 because there were a lot of guys that completed the winchester 400 but you finished not on the podium you finished second in the winchester 400 just one spot short how how excited are you about that and how happy are they about your performance yeah no you can definitely see it in their face uh judy was all happy giving me a hug right away uh my stand was down there on pit road with me giving me waters right away uh, it just feels good for me. Uh, they put so much into it. Uh, the, just building that new car, uh, nick of time. Uh, they, I mean, they live, breathe, eat, and sleep racing. And uh, I'm just the guy who gets to enjoy and drive these things. So uh, everything that I can do to deliver a good finish or get them a win, uh, it honestly feels amazing. Now, uh, before I have one question in the follow-up, but I have to, this is like the pre-question question. Do you know for 2021 if you return to the 131? Well, I mean, I, I definitely think I'm in the 131. Okay. <laughs> I haven't gotten a phone call asking if I'm c- coming back or not, but I would assume so. <laughs> well, I ask that because I wanted to ask, you know, with the, the dominance that, that Johnny Van Dorn has had with Carson Hosevar and Carson's had on his own, um, and what you guys were able to learn from each other this weekend and the data sharing, 
does that get you excited for 2021 to be able to pick the knowledge of a team that's just flat out winning everything right now? Most definitely, because uh, Johnny's kind of taking a step back. And, you know, uh, at the first race over at I-44, we had Johnny helping us crew chief the car. Uh, this past weekend at the 400, we had Johnny helping us. And it just it, it brings a whole new level to our uh, program. Just so much experience. He knows what the car needs to do in a certain long run, whereas I don't have that experience. So I'm kind of just playing it by ear. Uh, so when you, when you get someone like Johnny or Butch or someone like that at the track helping us, uh, it really elevates the program. I'm, t- I'm telling you, Kyle, you know, they, between hosts of ours and Van Doren, there's a 14 machine and a 71 machine. While this performance is fresh in their minds, I'd be giving them a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You never know what next year will bring, but, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be going down to Pensacola, Carson, and I'm hanging out with Johnny and Butch, and I'm just going to be trying to learn learn as much as I can for next year. Well, Kyle, it, it was a really it was a lot of fun to watch yesterday unfold, uh, especially learning that that was your first full 400, um, and, and the patience that you showed, man. I was getting antsy in the stands with that 51N underneath of you for, like you said, a thousand laps. It seemed like, and uh, so nice job, uh, Kyle, on your performance yesterday. Way to go! And uh, I, I think I speak for Rich as well when we say we we are definitely looking forward to seeing now what 2021 brings for you. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I'm excited as well. It was cool seeing uh, Rich down on pit road. Uh, I mean, I just I had a great weekend overall. You know, one spot better would have been nice, but uh, you cannot complain about finishing 400 laps, loading it in the car under its own power and in one piece. Well, Kyle, nice job. Congratulations, man, and, and uh, thanks for making time to join us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always have a good time on the show. Hey, Rich, before we go, I want to mention kind of a new segment that we launched this week um, that I think you and I are going to be able to have some fun with and and maybe even pull in some other correspondents, some other announcers from around the area. But uh, Thursday night, 9 o'clock-ish, there's really no set time for when this is going to be released other than Thursday night. Rich, we are going to break down uh, for about 20 minutes a a night, give or take, um, what is coming up though this that weekend right for racing so for instance this weekend rich we'll be talking about play a hater uh at, at uh now i gotta be careful here at winston i always want to say winchester or vice versa so this is at winston and then kokomo clash in kokomo indiana two events that everybody's very fired up about and we'll talk about them on thursday yeah that was pretty cool we did that uh we did that on thursday night when i was on site for the speed 51 roundup for the winchester 400 uh Boy, we had a lot of information. I don't know if we got it all out on Thursday, but uh, <laughs> we had a whole lot of information to cover, and, and, and we tried to get as much as we could out there. But uh, yeah, let's try. We're going to give this a shot. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of racing coming up through the next month or so, but uh, we'll give this thing a shot and uh, and see how it goes. But I think I think it'll work out real well. Yeah, we invite you to take a look for it on Thursdays um, on our social media pages, Horsepower Happenings on Facebook and at HPH Podcast on Twitter. And uh, let us know what you think. Thanks so much to all of the guests that allowed us to speak with them on race day. Thanks to our new correspondent, Brian Osborne, for his work. Thank you, Rich France, for uh, your work as well. For all of those individuals, I'm Zach Heiser, thanking you for tuning in to Horsepower Happenings. We'll talk same time, same place next Monday night. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.